welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Thursday, the 2nd of February. My name is Bernadette Anderko, and I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer. Today, we'll cover the usual markets roundup. Our head of fixed income research, Marcus Allensbach, will comment on the Fed's actions and their comments last night. And we'll also have our weekly update on what our investment committee and chief investment officer are focused on. So let's start with the update from the markets. Well, all eyes were on the Federal Reserve yesterday, which, as expected, delivered a 25 basis point rate hike. So far, so much as expected. It was the Federal Reserve's chairman's remarks after the hike that caught the market's imagination. Mr. Powell said that interest rates are likely to end up higher than expected, signalling that Fed officials are mainly concerned about the risk of doing too little to tame inflation, rather than squeezing the economy too much. The markets rallied on Mr. Powell's more dovish comments, including the fact that he could say for the first time, and I quote, that the disinflationary process has started. Powell said that policymakers foresee a couple more rate increases from the new target range of 4.5% to 4.75%. But he also suggested officials are opening to adjusting their plans if price pressures cool as fast as investors expect. The stock market took its direction from the Fed's comments about the falling inflation scenario rather than their action in hiking rates. The S&P 500 gained 1.05% to end at 4,119.21, reversing an earlier decline of almost 1%. The Nasdaq Composite added 2%, boosted by gains in chip makers. And meanwhile, the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 6.92 points, or 0.02%, after sliding more than 500 points during the day's lows. Stock benchmarks also got a boost as fourth quarter corporate earnings largely continued to show resilient profits. Peloton shares surged 26.5% after the fitness equipment company said that its net loss narrowed year over year. Advanced micro devices shares gained 12.6% after the semiconductor company reported a fourth quarter earnings beat. And adding to the positive tone, in US after hours trading, meta platforms surged, leading social media stocks higher after reporting better than expected sales during the holiday quarter. Overnight in Asia, stocks traded mostly higher, but none of the main indices are up more than half a percent. A lot of focus is on Adani Group, which led the Indian market lower again. The company slumped more than 15% before pairing some of the lost after abandoning its follow-on share sale to insulate investors in the offering from the recent rout. The other nine stocks in the group also fell. In the bond markets, US Treasury yields held a drop from the US session of about 10 basis points in key maturities across the two to 10-year zone. Japan's benchmark 10-year yield rose to just half a basis point below the central bank's half a percent ceiling. Positioning in US swaps market assumes the Fed is getting closer to cutting rates as traders bet that economic conditions are likely to keep it from the additional rate increases that policymakers still anticipate. In currencies, the dollar continued its decline against both group of 10 and emerging market currencies overnight. And in commodities, oil staged a partial rebound after slumping on Wednesday as the dollar fell and traders weighed the potential for better demand in China. Gold hovered around a nine-month high, and Bitcoin hit the highest since August in the wake of the Fed decision. That's it for the wrap. European markets look set to follow the US and Asia's lead and open higher today, although of course they're now anticipating central bank action in their own area, with both the European Central Bank and the Bank of England due to make their rate decisions later today. Markets expect 50 basis points hikes from both. Now it's time to move to my guest today. First up, Marcus. Thanks so much for joining me to tell us about the Federal Reserve decisions in more detail. 
Marcus, it seems to me that the bond market's in an ambiguous position. On the one hand, the Fed's got little choice but to stay hawkish to ensure that inflation comes down. But on the other hand, the more hawkish they appear, the more the market seems to bet on rate cuts. So which side prevailed yesterday? Yes, um, Bernadette, you mentioned it in the opening comments. It was certainly the dovish side that prevailed yesterday. It's very interesting to watch the press conference. In his prepared remarks, Fed Chair Powell wanted to deliver a hawkish message. He said that the Fed needs to raise interest rates several times, really look He talked about the plural, several rate increases, and he said he needs to be certain that inflation falls before he changes policy. In the press conference, however, he was asked what he thinks about the easing of financial conditions. And of course, the Fed doesn't want to be nailed down to a single indicator. So he said in the press conference, no, we don't look at the target for financial conditions. And at very moment, the stock market turned positive and bond yields started to drop. Look, I think the Fed will use speeches, public appearances, remarks to the press in the next couple of days to correct that image. They really want to deliver a hawkish message at the moment. They don't want the market to speculate too much on rate cuts already, fearing that this could stimulate loan growth and make the job to bring inflation down more complicated. So to summarize then, the Fed assumes it's too risky to cut rates anytime soon. But your strategy for 2023 is to position for rate cuts. So does this still hold true? It still holds true, Bernadette. We look beyond the next six months. There could be another rate hike at the next meeting and cannot rule out another one to bring the Fed funds rate above 5%. But the thing is, historically, the Fed started to cut rates 27 weeks after the last Fed rate hike. And that's what the bond market will anticipate. So we still like quality bonds. We still like longer duration. We prefer duration risk over credit risk in an environment where US growth is subtrend and defaults are set to increase. Okay, so moving on, the Fed's behind us. And as I mentioned earlier, we've got the European Central Bank and the Bank of England to come today. Our economists expect rate hikes from both. But have any of the recent numbers changed that view? Not at all, Bernadette. We are below market consensus and we stay below market consensus with our ECB and Bank of England predictions. To look at the ECB first. The heelless heel of the European Central Bank is loan growth. And the bank lending survey published these days shows that demand for loans is really collapsing. Don't forget, the ECB, unlike the Fed, has subsidized bank lending. We had more than 2.2 trillion repos outstanding at the peak. That means that one-tenth of the bank's balance sheet was cheap money from the ECB, money at minus 1% to foster loan growth. And now the ECB is withdrawing that cheap money that makes lending more expensive. And we already see that in statistics that loan growth is slowing. So we believe with this loan growth coming down, the ECB needs less rate hikes than the market's currently pricing in. Bank of England, I mean, the problem of the Bank of England is wage growth and inflation. Inflation is driven by energy prices, wage growth, because of the lack of work costs, the labor force is shrinking. You cannot cure any of that with higher interest rates. So we are happy to stay below the market consensus with both the ECB and the Bank of England. 
Okay, thank you for that. One final question. Uh, you added emerging market bonds into the mix late last year to benefit from the peaking of Fed rates, the weakening of the dollar, and also the reopening of the Chinese economy. Does this call still hold true? Actually, yes, uh, Bernadette. We are living in an almost perfect world for some of the risky assets, if you think about it. Growth is accelerating in areas where inflation is low in China. And growth is low in areas where the inflation is a problem in the US and in the Eurozone. So the balance is improving. I said we don't like mature market high yields because of the default risk. But if you put that into emerging market bond perspective, the outlook for exports is improving. Fed peaks in the second half of this year. That's a very positive factor for emerging market bonds. So emerging market corporate bonds are still a buy. Thank you very much for your insights, Marcus. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. And now in his regular Thursday slot, I'd like to welcome Nicola Jordan to the show this morning to find out what decisions the Investment Committee reached this week. Good morning, Nicola. Thank you, Bernadette, and good morning, everyone. Well, as the first month of the new year is already over, I think it makes sense to quickly recap what happened and then refresh our outlook for the next few months. Well, January has seen something of a reversion to the mean, with the assets that suffered the most from the withdrawal of liquidity in 2022 benefiting the most from the prospect of the end of Fed tightening. The signals we get from the market at the moment are still positive, despite the continuously cautious investor sentiment. The earnings season is in full swing, and with modest expectations, as usual, they are modestly beaten. The market is now mostly focusing on management's outlooks, which also remain cautious on average, but with definitely some variation across sectors. The bottom line that we interpret from these signals is that we are not in a counter-trend rally, but rather in a new bull cycle. The inflation shocks appear to be fading, and they are unlikely to cause a dislocation in the labor market. Consumption stays robust and savings continue to act as a powerful shock absorber. In our opinion, everything now depends on the speed of disinflation and the approach of central banks facing this decline. As we have heard it before from Marcus, the Fed has seemingly done its job, but it definitely does not want to signal a premature pause. And for the ECB, they have to be careful not to over-tighten by blindly following its American counterpart. That's already it from my side. Back to you, Bernadette. Thank you very much, Nicola. This concludes today's podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Join us again tomorrow for our weekly currency and crypto asset update. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player.